Let's continue a little bit with our talk on uh, true Mahayana motivation. of Wisdom Sutra, you can look at it, it's in the, it was translated by uh, Kanzi or Kanz, I don't know exactly how to pronounce his name, never met him, never actually told me his name, <laughs> C-O-N-Z-E. He did a very good job at translating uh, uh, one of the like middle length uh, Perfection of Wisdom Sutras. Uh, in the beginning, the Buddha is describing, uh, sort of defining what is a bodhisattva and why is a bodhisattva called a great being. And of course there are many uh, reasons that the Buddha gives. And one of the reasons that the Buddha gives is that the uh, bodhisattva is called a great being because of a bodhisattva's great courage. So we sort of touched upon it last time when we sort of described that the Bodhisattva is someone who wants to continue to see uh, beings who are suffering. Thank you. Wants to continue to see beings who are suffering. Even after an intimate knowledge of what suffering is, and there's a clear choice in front of the one who about to who is about to become a bodhisattva, where you can achieve a state of being where you no longer have to deal with suffering, perception of suffering anymore, or you can continue for a very long time. You don't even know how long. As a matter of fact, it might take forever. Where you, where, wherever someone is suffering, you directly see them. And not only do you see them, you want to have a close relationship with them, and in whatever way you can help them, you want to be able to be available and be uh, a source of help for them. And the courage that is described in the Perfection of Wisdom Sutra is something that we have to really look into. Because it's, it's easy to uh, get into a, what is called a Mahayana uh, tradition and then make yourself you know, a follower of Mahayana. But when you hear the descriptions of what a Bodhisattva is supposed to be, almost as if there's a part of you that that, that says, uh, oh yeah, but uh, 
it will be different for me. And when you hear about all those beautiful things that the Buddhas have, what you really have is just envy. And you think it's aspiration to help sentient beings. You just, you just envy the Buddha's beautiful body. You want to have one like that. You envy the Buddha, Buddha's omniscience. You just want to be, you, you want to be a know-it-all. You envy the Buddha's abilities because you want to be able to do so many things so people can say, oh, look at that person, he's so great. Even though what you're working towards are the things that the Buddhas have, but you're not really a Mahayanis because you're somewhere in your mind you're brushing the, the courage that is that makes what makes a Bodhisattva a great being. And the way the Buddha describes the courage is as a Mahayana, as a Bodhisattva, your goal is not to reach Buddhahood. Your goal is to liberate those who are suffering. That's your goal. That's what you want. And whatever means will help you achieve that, that's what you're willing to, to do. And Buddhahood happens to be the best way of doing it. If the liberation of sentient beings meant that you have to take their place, imagine every suffering that exists, every, imagine every being has almost infinite seeds of, to experience all these kinds of sufferings in an infinite way. And every and for every single being, you're willing to take on their own, you're willing to be the one who suffers for them. If, it, if that is the only way you can free sentient beings, I'm not saying that's the way, but you have to have this, the courage where if that is what it would take to, become, to, to liberate all, all beings, you're completely willing to do it where you are the only being left in existence who is suffering and everyone else is free of, 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 of suffering. Now immediately with a sort of a, what you might call practical kind of mind we might say, oh wait a minute, why should I pay for, the, for their mistake? How are they going to learn if they don't suffer? We sort of rationalize it. Oh, I'm not really going to suffer, even though I have that will to suffer. It's just a good way so I can get that body finally. Okay. And if if this courage for you is just like a, <laughs> you think of it as a trick to so, 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 so to do with your mind, so you can finally get to Buddhahood, you're not a Mahayanist. If you think of, if you think that sentient beings, in order for them to learn, in order for them to grow, they have to suffer, they have to pay for their crimes, you're not a bodhisattva. You're not, you're not a Mahayanis. It's not that as a bodhisattva, 
you will tolerate beings engaging in ways that are harming themselves or harming others. Okay, go ahead, collect some bad karma. Uh, I encourage you, and I'll, 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 I'll suffer for you. No, that's not what it means. But the thing is, you make suffering such an object of revulsion. You make it something to be so unwanted that you don't care where it is, you don't care who has it, you want it gone. Not just yours, but whoever has it. Even to the point where, and, and this is what they call a wrathful bodhisattva. Even if the person who is suffering doesn't know they're suffering, you will snatch that suffering away from them. And if you have the courage, a real sense of willingness, if it means that I'm the only one who has to suffer, so that no one else has to ever, to ever have to suffer ever again, I'm willing to be the one. Okay. And forget about trying to trick yourself to make that some sort of a, a way for you to accept it. I'm not really going to suffer because things are empty, no use, no, that kind of stuff. Then you're going to use emptiness as an excuse and you, because, because you're using the word emptiness you think that you're bodhisattva. Okay. So, you have to look into yourself. Do you sincerely have this courage? Do you sincerely have this willingness? And you start out with the people you know. Of course, the people you love already, come, you already have that willingness maybe, most likely, for the people that you already love. You're willing to suffer for, you're willing to take away their suffering and be, if, if, it's, if it means you have to be the one to experience it, you're willing to experience it so that they don't have to experience it. And now you go out to those that you don't, you don't love right now. As a matter of fact, those who might even see you as a, as an annoyance, people who don't like you, are you willing to do the same for them? And you have to be sincere, be real. Are you truly willing? Then when you find yourself truly willing, then you can call yourself a truly unique being. And it will, not, it will not be arrogance, it will be the truth. So, contemplate on that a little bit. One of the, I mean after all, you are in the Mahayana tradition, and the main thing of about Mahayana is to become a Bodhisattva, so you can become a, a, a Buddha. So I'm telling you, this is what is expected of you as a bodhisattva. And what makes those beings even greater than the greatest? That it's not a sin not to be a bodhisattva. You don't have to. And there isn't a cosmic 
whatever that's going to strike you down because you didn't take the path of Mahayana. It's your choice. But to not be forced, not on the threat of you're going to be destroyed, but of your own volition. Ah, I can retire and live in a blissful state of being for the rest of my existence forever or I can continue to have to deal with people <laughs> with their dramas <laughs> with their stubbornness their oblivion to to their own state of being, their backwards way of thinking, you can continue to have to deal with them, to relate with them. And it's not like uh, you cannot you cannot decide to be okay. I'll be able to survive for three eons, and that's it. After three eons, I'm retiring. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> Whatever it takes, you're willing to do it. All right. Uh, yeah. You have about ten minutes. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna go into meditation. So first, really look at your level of courage. Where where is it really? And then try to see if you can sort of encourage yourself to pick it up. Now, don't call yourself, you know, sinful person if you find hesitation, if you find resistance in your mind. If you find resistance, that means there's a part of you that is taking this seriously. It's not just some hypothetical—hypothetical—that word. <laughs> okay. It's not just some beautiful thought to have in your mind uh, to decorate that left side. Okay. So there's a part of you that's taking this seriously. That's why there's, it's better hesitate. You can spend the rest of existence having to deal with people like me. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, remember that state of being, the state of the state your mind of your mind before the talk. And just remember how, how did your body feel? And try to remember it as vividly as you can. How did your breath feel? And just remember it. How did your mind feel? Feel.
and just remembering it, just with the vividness of that recollection, you're either given a taste of that state or you're brought back to that state. Stabilize this state by observing five cycles of breath with your mind, just thinking your mind is in your heart center. again when you have that palpable sense of being in some degree of tranquility, have the clear intention to remain in that state and to do your review within that state. If your review takes you away from that state, stop the review and go back to trying to get to experience that state of tranquility again and once you achieve that state of tranquility again then you go back to reviewing so tranquility review checking on each other so the sense of tranquility should deepen
without disturbing the tranquil state which you find yourself, look at it. Notice what is present, notice what is absent. And those who are struggling under the delusions, they are struggling because they lack this very tranquility. Where they can see the clear, clearly see the delusions for what they are. And just focus on your love and your compassion for sentient beings. And look at this tranquil state that you are experiencing. Don't look at it as your state, your tranquility. It's just tranquility. And give it to them. Those who are under the fever of greed, the fever of anger, let your tranquility cool them. Let it bring them clarity of thought. So their actions become constructive rather than destructive. Just thinking, giving it to them is not enough, then use a visualization to help you. See the sense of tranquility as light and with your willingness to give it away to them, see it leave you as light, going to whoever needs it. whatever degree of willingness you are able to come up with <coughs> that comes anywhere close to that courage of the bodhisattvas.
see its inconceivable, vast qualities and direct its powerful energy towards a specific goal and of course towards the ultimate goal. Slowly bring your attention back to the breath and through the awareness of the breath become aware of the sense of the body and through continuing with the awareness of the breath become aware of the sense of what you might call the outer body. top of your head to the soles of your feet. And before you actually get up, remember whatever sense of determination you came up with through the meditation and think of actually going home with it. Okay. All right, look at that. It's not 10 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, next Friday, no class, right? Is it next Friday? Or the following Friday? <laughs> oh, next Friday. <laughs> next Friday. <laughs> next Friday, okay. All right. Okay then. So we'll see each other here again the following Friday. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs>